What is going on you guys and welcome back to another video. Today's gonna be a fun little video here. We're actually gonna be reviewing and assessing a subscriber portfolio that was submitted to us. This is something that I've never actually done before, but I think it's the perfect thing that I can do here on my computer. I'd like to start off by saying, not trying to give this specific person advice on what to do. I know nothing about this person. I know nothing more than what they sent us here. So I'm not saying these are the suggestions I'm putting for this person. I just want to use this portfolio as a demonstration because I do think there's actually probably a lot of portfolios that look similar to this, uh, given a time late now. But if you guys enjoy this, give it a thumbs up. Let's do this. This will be fun. Here's just a quick little email we got. It said, Dear Brandon, I'm reaching out to you regarding my position to share my portfolio for the sake of making an analysis and suggesting what could be done and what should be avoided. They literally sent us an exact summary from Quest Trade. Uh, here's the little comment they put. Notable things. What the heck? A few things to point out. This is a 34-year-old... <laughs> Student, I mean not student, excuse me, 34 year old subscriber, maxed out their TFSA because they're a PhD international student in Canada. They've essentially maxed out the TFSA. They do have a small margin account. And by the way, Mark, uh, if you're watching this video, dad, we haven't had this discussion, but it'd be kind of fun for you to do your own analysis on this and see where, where we differ. I'd hope that we're pretty similar. You'd hope, but who knows? And portfolio size is roughly 30 grand. Initial, that's money put in, book cost, if you will. The portfolio is down about $8,000 as of the time of sending this. And if I were to just look over here, I've basically kept everything as is other than blurred out the account numbers. So this is literally exactly as is. Yeah, you want to touch my feet? Okay, you can come with me. Okay. So essentially, if we look at the position sizes here, the only thing that I've done to this little thing is I've color coordinated them and I've put these little pie charts associated. That way we can kind of tell what assets are with each respective portfolio and they will also help with the um, visualization of the uh, accounts. Okay. So let's go over an overview. They have a margin account. Just looking at the holdings, I'll just go through them one by one. They have Vanguard S&P 500 fund. They have a nickel fund, United States Steel, PayPal, Greenland Renewables, Drone Delivery, ticker flight, uh, Canadian popular Canadian stock, and then Coin Analyst. This is in their margin account. And then uh, on the Vanguard, I mean, on the TFSA side, they have another S&P 500 fund. Costco ADR, CDR, excuse me, Manulife, Amazon, ATS, uh, Automation Tooling Systems, Microsoft, ADR again, I mean CDR, Alphabet CDR, PayPal Holdings in the CDR form, a Galaxy Bitcoin ETF, Bank of Nova Scotia, and then Tesla. And uh, one thing that does jump out to me right here is if we do take a look at the return, everything is down. So every single position in this portfolio is in the red. They don't have a single positive position. And... I would say if this is you in the market that we're in, um, that's okay. You know, that's, th there's some, some things are okay about this. Some things aren't the reason why I say this is okay. And this is just me kind of guessing, but we see here that their, um, S and P 500 funds are down about 20%, right? 23, 20%. And I did get this last couple of weeks when the portfolio was, um, what? When uh, the when the when the index was down more more severely, but it basically lines up pretty close to where the index is performed right now. So basically, what I'm trying to get at is I'm going to assume this investor started investing in the beginning of 2020. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because their S&P funds have essentially tracked the market down 20%, I'm going to assume these positions were initiated pretty much at the start of this year, based on a timeline. Again, I could be wrong. I'm just speculating there. But what I'm trying to get at is that if you started investing at the beginning of this year, your funds are gonna be down. Unless you had some very, very select stocks that have been performing well during this downturn, most are down, I would be okay with that. But clearly we see some positions here that are down significantly more and they do tend to be their small cap, penny cap stocks. You can tell that they're penny cap stocks literally because here cost per share, um, okay, 
Bubba. You're going back over here. You're out of here. These, uh, if you look at the cost per share, you see they do they did invest in a bunch of penny stocks, like a dollar thirty six per share, under a dollar per share. This coin analyst is twenty two cents per share. This nickel stock is thirty four cents per share. These stocks are the ones that I'm like a little less uh, pleased about, right? The S and P five hundred fund down twenty percent. That's life. That's the market. We ride the ups and downs of the broader market, but these other picks have been slammed. We see here coin analyst down ninety seven percent, drone delivery down sixty six percent. Even a stock like PayPal Holdings has been crushed and uh, down 60% a piece with these ones. So long story short, what I'm trying to get at is that um, the fact that the markets are down, that's okay. These other stocks are probably a lot, a lot worse than just the market being down. In fact, they are. One thing that I would point out right off the bat with this, I'm assuming this is a new investor. They kind of say, hey, I'm just starting out, do my portfolio. Maybe their experience and knowledge isn't at the highest level. One thing that jumps out to me is that there is likely far too many stocks relative to index funds. And I am of a firm belief that when you are starting out as an investor, the best strategy to start with is building a portfolio of ETFs, like a broad-based um, uh, fund. So you're diversified, you're kind of spreading out your risk and you're still capturing the, the exposure to the equity markets. With sprinkling some individual stocks in, but in my opinion, this ratio is quite off for a new investor. And what I mean by that is that if we look at the market cap here, again, it's much smaller because this is just a, um, uh, a small margin account. But if you look at this, if we combined the, um, I'm just going to toggle over these two tabs here on Excel. So basically, if we look at the sum of their S&P 500 holdings, it totals to about, this is probably a better way of looking at it. I know they have it here. So if we look here at the percentage break, breakdown of the different assets of their entire portfolio, 22% is in ETFs, okay? So they've opted to put 22% into the broad-based index and then nearly 80% into individual stocks. My original take on this, again, not investment advice, so take it as you will, but I would actually like to see that number flipped around. So. In fact, I think you can go 100% ETFs while you're starting and learning and maybe sprinkle in a couple of stocks. But if you are adamant that, hey, I want to pick some of my favorite stocks, I want to be a, an individual stock investor, flip that ratio around so you have something like 80% of your money into ETFs. The bulk of your money is in this asset that you know is going to generate you money over time. And then with that 20% or 15%, then you can start sprinkling in stocks. And that way, when you do make a bad pick, such as a coin analyst or a, a drone delivery or whatever the case is, it doesn't hurt your portfolio as much. Do you understand what I'm saying? And one of the pros that I would say about this, this fellow is that, you know, he didn't put a lot of money into these stocks. When I look at, you know, his, his speculative stocks, you know, I, I see uh, position costs is probably the better one to look at. Essentially the money he's put in, these aren't, you know, deal breaking dollar figures. He isn't, putting a second mortgage on these. He's not going all in on these. He's actually put the bulk of his money here, but still he owns a lot of positions that in all honesty, haven't really um, panned out. And in all honesty, I would have avoided, right? These are two stock, these stocks, like pretty much all of these, other than maybe United States Steel, which I have on my watch list, but I don't follow too closely. And then maybe PayPal, those would be potential um, holds if you really believe in them. But these other ones, uh, I, I don't think there's really, um, 
room for those in a portfolio. And as a new investor, I know it's exciting to go try these little speculatives, these penny stocks, but then this is a good learning lesson. Like you learn literally early on a year into investing that these probably aren't for me. And then maybe you go the rest of your investing career avoiding those and picking better stocks. I would say in the TFSA, he does own much better stocks. There are still a couple in here that I'm not a fan of. Nevertheless, this is what I, I'd look for. Let's start with the margin account. I have some notes here. Um, first thing that jumps out to me is of these holdings, why did you select VOO, the Vanguard S&P 500 fund? I see this so, so, so commonly amongst Canadian investors is that they go out and buy a US-based S&P 500 fund. Do you know what I'm saying here? And it's funny because in the TFSA, they bought the Canadian version. So if you look at this VSP and then VOO, these are both essentially the same fund. They both invest in the S&P 500, the 500 largest companies in America, but VSP is a Canadian listed ETF. You can see here, this is denoted by Canadian dollars. VOO is a very popular ETF but it is traded in US dollars, meaning that essentially if you were to buy VOO stock, right? VOO stock, this would trade, I believe it's on the NASDAQ and you see here in US dollars, meaning that as a Canadian investor, unless you had US dollars in your margin account, which again could be a variable that I'm not factoring in, but what this investor was doing was that they were paying a conversion fee. They were essentially transferring funds, Canadian dollars to US, taking that exchange hit, taking the currency hit, just to go out and purchase this fund. Now, there are benefits to this fund, if you will. You could say that it's a lower um, MER, and in theory it is. It's a larger fund with more assets, but that does come with the trade-offs. And again, it's it's tough to know what this person's thought process was. Maybe they were trying to make a play. Uh, it, it's, tough, it's tough to say. And again, I don't want to speculate all too much, but I would say in general, why are you buying a US listed fund when we have Canadian funds here? Because it doesn't seem like a big deal when you put in $425. But if you're gonna be investing every paycheck or every quarter or every month and you're putting money in, well, each time you buy, you are getting hit with a conversion fee. Again, unless you have US dollars in this account, but um, you guys get what I'm saying at. I would probably aim to have a Canadian listed S&P 500 fund. You'd invest in the same products, but it's a, a more favorable fund for, for Canadians. I almost always like to lean to the Canadian versions when uh, applicable. Other thoughts on the margin account here. Personally for me, and again, I keep saying this, but I don't want to like, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, this to be taken as investment advice, but if it were me, I'd look at these stocks and I'd look at most of them down. I would almost consider given the landscape and given that this is a new investor, I would consider scrapping this entire portfolio, like literally scrapping the portfolio and taking it as a learning lesson and saying, listen, luckily it's not a lot of money, right? It is, um, what is the, what is the value here? I think he put in a total of, what's the math there? 2,400 bucks. So 2000 bucks, right? It's not a crazy amount of money. I personally would not have been buying coin analyst flight stock, Greenland renewables, maybe PayPal. Again, I can see it understandable, but these other stocks, I wouldn't even bought them in the first place. And the fact that they're down so bad, I think it's a mistake to say, well, I want to wait till they break even, especially because it's such small dollar amounts. If it were me, I would consider selling these stocks and just saying, listen, let's start from scratch. Let's aim for the better quality companies like you have in your TFSA. And one of the benefits is that this is a margin account. This is a taxable account, meaning that again, although these numbers aren't massive, if you sell these at a loss, you will then cement, you will, solidify those capital losses to then be used down the road uh, to maybe offset some gains. Again, it's not like massive. 
I'm not trying to say this is going to be a huge tax break for you, but it is conceptually, it's not terrible that you're taking the loss in the, uh, it's not good, but it's not as bad as bad because you can use those uh, to offset future gains. And especially because again, I think that this, this uh, VOO fund doesn't belong there anyways, unless I'm wrong and feel free to leave a comment down below. I would almost look to change this fund anyway. So it's like, if we're going to be selling that and buying the Canadian versions, why not just sell it all and, and restart, right? That's just my kind of fun little take on it there. But that's just my personal opinion. I, I don't like owning these uh, junk stocks. I like owning big, powerful companies, especially in a time like now going into recession. I, I would say um, take it as a learning lesson and move on. Let's move on to the TFSA because as I mentioned, I think the TFSA does look structured better in terms of the, the, the class of companies, right? Costco, Manulife, Amazon, Microsoft, Alphabet, PayPal, Bank of Nova Scotia, Tesla. These are far more up my alley in terms of positions that I'd be comfortable holding. You see here, the declines are significantly less. So like Manulife is down. And again, you're going to be down, but you're not down that 90, 60, you know, 80%. These are, these are down moves that I could live with. Microsoft down 28%. Hey, that's okay. That's a doubt. That's a dip. That's a, that's life as an investor. Even Google down 30%. It's just poor timing in the market. Tesla down 22%. Bank of Nova Scotia. I would be perfectly okay with that. In fact, I say, I like all these holds as is again. One thing that I do note here is that the ETF, uh, makes up not even half of this portfolio. In fact, actually, this is where this chart may, may help out a lot. VSP is this little snippet right here, right? this little pie chart right here. It is in my belief that when you own a, a, an ETF, the whole point is that it's diverse. The whole point is that it's broad. So it should represent a big, broad part of your portfolio. I find it funny when people take a snippet of their portfolio and allocate it to an ETF. That's kind of the, the backwards way of looking at it. In my opinion, I would have it the other way around and have the bulk of it in ETF. So this is fine. Uh, I think you chose the right fund here being VSP. There's a lot of other providers that offer the S&P 500 funds, but they're all the same. Nevertheless, you bought the Canadian listed fund, which is good. Um, I keep that even though it's down, that's not a problem whatsoever. I'd maybe look to make that a bigger weighting if you want to do what I'm talking about and maybe have more of your money in a broad-based fund, but nevertheless, to look at all of these different, um, assets. I'm going to say for the most part, they're all good. I'm not too familiar with ATS. Uh, I'm not too familiar with obviously the Bitcoin um, galaxy fund. Quick word on Bitcoin. I, I don't really think Bitcoin ETFs are the way to play it in your portfolio. And that's just my personal opinion. I've always owned my Bitcoin outside of my portfolio. So I have my stock portfolio. And then if I'm going to go buy Bitcoin, you go to an actual Bitcoin brokerage, you actually go buy it elsewhere and just hold it separately and just know that you have your money here. For me, it's just, um, that's what I've always done. So maybe I can't speak too much on that, but I've always just liked to segment things. But other than that, the holdings are fine. One thing that I do note is that it says here, they're all Canadian because this person has opted for uh, CDRs, Canadian depository receipts. That's completely fine. I think that's actually a really, really good move in the sense that um, their lower share price, you don't have to pay those conversions. There is like a slight embedded cost with CDRs, but something that's very, very uh, affordable. So not a problem there. I would just say, don't get too, um, the fact that it says Canadian currency here to this investor, m make sure that you still understand where these stocks are, like what they truly are. Are they US stocks or Canadian stocks? Because although these are Canadian list, they're traded in Canadian dollars. VO, I mean, VSP is a, is a US holding, right? This is giving you US exposure. It's giving you exposure to the US market. Costco is a US stock. That's giving exposure to US market. Manulife is one of their Canadian holdings, but then we have American stock, American stock, American stock, American stock, American stock, Bitcoin. Um, you do have another bank, which I think is great. 
Uh, so two Canadian holdings and then the rest American. Maybe this is, is what they're going for. I personally like to invest more heavily in the American market, but I would just want to make sure that you're on top of the balance. Like if you were to break down from a geographical level, how much money you have invested in America, international and Canada, maybe you already know that, but I see two Canadian holdings basically. And that's fair. Possibly we could look to add maybe a little bit more exposure just to kind of even it out. I don't want to say even it out where it should be 50, 50. I'm of the belief that the Canadian market should probably represent 15% of your portfolio, maybe 20, especially in a TFSA where you're not getting any taxable benefits. Actually in the margin account, and there's in many cases, the Canadian stocks can be a little more favorable with eligible dividends versus a US stock. But in a, uh, in a tax-free tax account, US stocks are very favorable. So maybe that's what they were going for. And in that case, it's good. But to me, I'd look at this and you have a couple of financial exposures to the Canadian market with finance, with uh, Manulife and Bank of Nova Scotia to solid, solid Canadian stocks. There's a lot of really strong other areas uh, in the Canadian market, such as energy, such as maybe telecom that I would personally look to add. You know, you could add maybe one of the big three banks. Um, I mean, not the big three bank, one of the big three telecoms, maybe a company like Canadian National Railway, uh, a powerhouse in the Canadian market, just to kind of bump up that weighting. Basically what I'm saying is, although these are all Canadian currency stocks, you must understand you still are very exposed to the US market, especially with your VS uh, S&P 500 ETF. Could possibly even go for adding in a Canadian uh, ETF as well, right? Uh, at the end of the day, those are just a few of my quick little thoughts on this portfolio, some things that I would maybe massage around. Dad, if you're watching this video, I think it'd be really valuable for you to come in and give a second opinion, maybe do a video similar to this and share your thoughts. Because again, this is just, and she's back. <laughs> nice. I think that'd be really fun actually to hear your, your perspective on it. You know, as I mentioned, I think we'd be very much aligned, but you may be seeing things that I missed out on or that I overlooked. That'd be really fun to see what you think in general. One final point that I just notice, uh, you know, there is no exposure to bonds here or, or even to cash, I believe. So they're pretty much all invested in the equity markets. If you look here, allocations, yeah, we see pretty much all invested in stocks, very little cash, very little fixed income. This person I can tell is more of a risk taker, I would assume because they're, you know, younger, 34, not younger, but like, you know, they're not old. The, uh, the stocks that they selected kind of indicate to me that they are looking for a little more risk. So if bonds are out of the question, that's okay for you. I also think it wouldn't be a terrible idea to have a little bit of your portfolio in bonds if you are building something for the long term. So just one thing to possibly consider there. But in general, I would say those are a few little adjustments that I would possibly look at for a portfolio like this. Let me know down in the comment section below what you guys think, what I've overlooked, what I've missed. I've really just tried to slap this video together very briefly. I'm sure something will pop up after the fact that, um, that I missed. But I will just run with that again. We'll emphasize not financial advice to this person. Don't just copy the things I said because I could be wrong, right? This is just my opinion on it. My take, something that I would do with my accounts, but I know nothing about you, nothing about your situation. This may have been what you were aiming for, but those are just a couple of fun things that I shared with you guys. If you enjoyed, give this video a thumbs up. I will remind you before signing off, take a moment and go into the video description and download Blossom Social. Here's my exact portfolio. I just skimmed through, but you can literally see every single stock, every single trade. I just shared actually one of my purchases over there, like literally yesterday, the rationale behind it. And that's just me. You can follow like so many other investors. This is like literally shaping up to be a very, very special platform. And I'd love for you guys to check it out. It is completely free down in the description below. Of course, if you are in the market for courses and training, you liked kind of seeing this kind of breakdown of a portfolio, 
This is just top level stuff. If you are starting as a new investor, it is so critical that you lay the groundwork and the framework of your portfolio before even building it. Or if you do need to make any adjustments like reassess, well, you're able to kind of bring it, bring it back down, deconstruct and rebuild it so that you know your allocations are on target. You know your money's in the right places. And uh, if you want to learn more about that, I mean, we cover all that and more at the Investing Academy. So that link is down below as well. But hey, if you guys enjoyed, uh, give this video a thumbs up. I appreciate this subscriber for letting us use their portfolio as an example case. I hope this was really fun. I hope this was enjoy enjoyable. Give this video a thumbs up. Subscribe if you're not already. But as always, I thank you for watching. I'll see you in the next video.